you know, when you're first going out with somebody, you really plan for your sex anyway. You know that when we go out on this night, we're going to have sex. So it's not spontaneous. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman explains how to turn around a sexless marriage. Stay tuned. We have a ridiculous limited time wine club special going on right now. Go ahead, open your browser while you're listening to this, visit hitchmag.com and click the wine club link to find out the details. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am once again joined with the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hey, Steve. So uh, we are going to talk about something that um, we actually get a lot of uh, traffic to our website from people looking for answers on this topic specifically. Um, it is the butt of many sitcom jokes. Uh, it is something that uh, you have probably heard people around you talk about and lament about, um, but there is something you can actually do about it. And today we are talking about how to survive a sexless marriage. Um, I, I mean, there are probably a lot of people that are already cracking um jokes about how it's an oxymoron but really it is a choice for a lot of people and that's really what we wanted to talk about and um karen by the way for those who don't know um has her own podcast on the sex talk radio network called your empowered relationships uh and uh you know, we are not going to get into like the physicality aspect of the sex, but we are going to talk about how you and your spouse can survive and or overcome a sex a sexless marriage. So uh, let let's start this off by setting a little bit of a stage here, Karen. Um, let's assume that the sexless marriage isn't by choice. Um, so, what would be your first recommendation to a husband or wife? who finds themselves in this situation and would like to turn things around? Well, Steve, we have been talking with each other long enough, and I bet if you thought about it, you'd know what exactly what I'm going to say. I think that, you know, the partner who is interested, or maybe both of them, because you're saying it's not by choice, they have to talk to each other and say, hey, you know, this is a component of our marriage that's missing, and, you know, we want it back. So, you know, what can we do about this? I think that, you know, you've got to really talk about why it's missing, what's going on, what's going wrong. Now, I want to bring something up. Okay. Um, sexless doesn't necessarily, you know, I, what is sexless? I, let me put it that way. No, that's a great point, defining what is a sexless marriage. Yeah, okay. So the couple may not be having intercourse, but that doesn't mean they're sexless. If they are still having other forms of intimacy, they're having affection, whatever, that doesn't mean that they're sexless. But but would you say um, – but I guess I'm I, – I guess I should just ask, are you saying that 
close intimacy is the same as sex or that you can um, – like intercourse isn't what defines sex? I would say intercourse isn't what defines sex. And if the couple is satisfied – and I think that's the main point that I want to make. If the couple is satisfied with their level of intimacy, then that is not what I would call a sexless marriage. But – Yes, I I totally agree. Um, but there is a difference between having intimacy and like because you can have a very intimate relationship, but it could still be sexless. Um. Well, we said we weren't going to discuss the physicality, so let me rephrase that. Okay. You can have a physically intimate relationship and not have intercourse. And that would not be necessarily considered sexless. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. So, but if we're talking that there's really no physicality in the relationship, um, then I think that, you know, there's a component that's missing and it would behoove one of the partners or both of them to say, hey, you know, there's something missing here. Um, you know, I, I want to connect to you in that way and you know we need to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. okay um now they're talking about like the physicality of it i mean there could be reasons why um a marriage is sexless anything from medical reasons um which would inhibit performance let's say sure. um there are life events that could come about that could really just overwhelm anything and everything. Um, but what if it's nothing more than you just have a busy schedule? Um, if the desire is actually there Mm -hmm. by at least one person, Mm -hmm. um, does the other spouse have a responsibility or maybe, I, I mean, I know there's probably people out there listening where there's actually desire on both partners. Like they would probably both like to have more sex, um, but they're just like, they're, it's, I'm too busy. The, the kids are back in school. I'm running them around from, you know, this place to this place. And, you know, we come home, cook dinner by the time it's done. I just want to sit down and like poop out, you know, like, I just want to relax, right. like right. sex. Are you kidding me? Right. And that, and there's a reality to that. But again, if, if, if there's a desire on both people's parts, then it's the responsibility to make some time for it, you know, and you may, it, it sounds unromantic. And I think we covered this in one of the podcasts once. I don't know how it came up exactly, but you know, when you're first going out with somebody, you really plan for your sex anyway. You know that when we go out on this night, we're going to have sex. So it's not spontaneous. Yeah. When we so, you were, yeah, we were talking about uh, when you're dating, Right. That is scheduled, quote unquote, intimacy sex time. That's right. So, you know, what's the difference if you, you know, plan for it in your, you know, your iPods or your whatever method you use uh, for planning appointments either? You know, if you say this is really important to us, so you plan time for it. Um, the other thing is that, you know, if one person really, really has the desire and the other person is, I'm so busy, I don't have time, I'm running around, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's not like they don't have the desire. They're just really busy. I do think there is some responsibility. You know, how is that different? I, I know that this is going to sound kind of silly, but how is that different than, I really like sushi, and my husband has really doesn't like it at all. 
Um, but every now and then he'll say, you know, I know you really like sushi, so let's go to a Japanese restaurant and I'll find something else to order. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, it is important it, 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 because if one person really has the desire and the other person doesn't, so why should it, the partner who doesn't, why should it be all about what your need is? What about the partner who does have the need? So you have to find some place where you compromise, some place where you're taking care of each person's needs. You know, it shouldn't be all about what one partner needs where you're having sex maybe four times a week, but it can't be that you're never having sex because, you know, I always have a headache kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I think um, it's important for couples to also know, like, what is kind of like a, a, a normal, regular sexual schedule that they're both comfortable with. Right. Um, because I, it it could be that you want it five times a week and you've never had that. And like, what, like where does that expectation come from kind of a thing? Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's that part of it as well. Uh, so what – now – it could be that there really just is no desire for sex. Um, I mean, we talked about some of the reasons being that you're busy or blah, 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 and the desire is there. But what if, um, you know, you like you want sex, but your spouse is just like, nah, I'm just not interested. Thanks. Well, you know, okay, so there's two things. Okay. First of all, you know, many times a couple will come to me and they'll say, you know, our sex life is bad. And very often their sex life is bad because really there's something wrong in the relationship. Um, and the result is that their sex life is bad. And so we have to really look at what's going on in the relationship and if there are certain problems there. And once we straighten out the relationship problems, then the sex gets better. Um, so that would be one area. But the other part also is that, especially for a woman, sex does not start for most women, I don't want to say for all women, but for most women, sex is of a different nature than it is for a man. A man is biologically built where he can just turn sex on and off. For a woman, and I don't mean this literally, but as a metaphor, sex starts in the morning in the kitchen, so to speak, where, good morning, sweetie, you look so lovely, you know, um, I, I, you know, you look great in that outfit, and then you're texting through the day, I can't wait to see you. You know, so the, it's romance throughout the day. It's building up. So that's how you really build desire. And then there are actually things that you can be doing to start recreating desire where you get back into bed with each other. And, and the goal, and it shouldn't be a goal, but the goal isn't, okay, let's, you know, have sex, let's have intercourse, but where you're just starting to feel comfortable with each other and you're just enjoying each other's um, presence with each other as far as, um, you know, looking at each other and, and um, looking in each other's eyes and, and touching each other's faces and just, you know, making the whole um, atmosphere very romantic. And that's what starts to bring the desire back. But if it becomes a mission and it's like, come on, we, we got to do this, that is probably a real quick way to, to get the desire um, finished for a woman. And even for a man, if, if it becomes a, a matter of, I got to get this done, that becomes a head game. And that's the quickest way for a man to probably not perform because he's so worried about his performance. So desire really has to be a, a matter of 
connecting in an intimate way in a non-sexual way. This actually reminds me of um, a study that I saw. It was, it was quite a while ago, um, but it, it related um, couples where se- when sex is um, – when they're having difficulty with sex in their marriage, it takes up a disproportionate amount of – attention and effort and the satisfaction of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but when a couple's happy, it's something like, I mean, it's something like 80% or 75% um, is focused on like their unhappy sex life. But when they have a satisfactory sex life, um, it almost doesn't even register on the scale. And it doesn't have to be like a mind blowing, holy cow. We're, it's like we're newlyweds or whatever. Um, that time is, was for you. Um, but as long as you're satisfied and you're getting what you need out of the relationship, um, it, it's almost like it's a non-issue. Right. Um, right. Which is I the same study. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, I, I should have pulled, I, I apologize to our listeners. I should have pulled it up before, uh, started this. Um, but anyways, I find that kind of thing really interesting. Um, but anyways, so let's, I want to move on a little bit here. So if, if a marriage seems perfectly fine other than the sexless marriage, um, should a spouse concede – I mean I just gave you that study. But should a spouse concede that, well, my spouse doesn't seem to have the desire. I've put in the effort. They haven't really reciprocated. I've expressed my concerns. Um, otherwise, the marriage seems great. Um, I just – don't feel like we have that physical connection that we once had and I miss it. Um, is it okay for a spouse at that point to just be like, well, all things considered pretty good relationship. Well, I guess I'm just going to live with a sexless marriage. That's a hard one, Steve, you know, because it, you know, you just said, you know, it becomes an issue. It depends on, on the person, you know, if they feel that they're getting a wonderful relationship and it's really, they're, they've got a desire, but it's not that great. And maybe there is, you know, um, other types of affection and cuddling and, you know, non-sex intimacy, then maybe it isn't a big deal. If it is something that really is very disheartening, then no, you can't let it go. Um, I know of a couple recently that because of her particular psychological issues, she really could not, she cannot have sex. She just cannot have sex. And she's not making it up. There's a lot of psychological baggage. Mm -hmm. And eventually they had a discussion and he said, well, what am I to do? And they have come to a resolution where he will have sex with other partners as long as um, he doesn't develop any relationships with these other people. And that... um, you know, the women are clean, so to speak, and there's no actual interaction with these women. You know, he's using them purely for having his needs met. So obviously, I mean, I'm trying to give you the range of, you know, variability that could occur. Um, So as I said, it's it's hard for me to answer that. It's really going to depend on um, the particular person who wants that type of connection, how strong it is and what else they're getting in the relationship. Yeah. I think that's interesting about the the couple you mentioned because, I mean, in that scenario, um, we like to stigmatize 
that type of thing um, very quickly. But it seems like that that was an agreement uh, between the couple. So there's an mm-hmm. understanding there. Yes, uh, which is which is completely different than somebody not getting their needs met and then hooking up with a coworker or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So so do you have any uh, other recommend? I mean, not that you're recommending this to our listeners. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. But actually, I I th- I think it's interesting though because um. Like we we have these predefined notions of of the of relationship dynamics and and it's obvious that there are a lot of variabilities um to deal with and as you mentioned like w- your patient has some some mental things to work through um I, i'm just curious and obviously um this doesn't need to be answered but are are they trying to get to a place where um she can meet his needs no, I, at the moment, no. I think it's more a matter of um, it's in the early stages of this agreement working out so that um, he gets his needs met and she doesn't feel like, um, you know, he's being secretive or, um, you know, that there's anything going on that shouldn't be going on other yeah. than this agreement. Okay. Uh, so, so do you have any final recommendations uh, for couples who uh, do have desire for more sex in their marriage, um, particularly if they consider themselves in a sexless marriage and they want to turn things around outside of what we've already discussed? I, I think the message for today is don't think in terms of black and white, you know, I, that it's sexless or it's, or we have great passionate sex. And by the way, um, I once read a study that said that of all the times that you have sex, about one-third of the time she's satisfied, about one-third of the time he's satisfied, and you know, about uh, one-third of the time both of you are satisfied. So it, it's not even always going to be good. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think the main message that I want people to realize is that, it, again, it's not all black and white that there's going to be a lot of variation. It's not something that's either, you know, all good or all bad. And, you know, you're going to have to find something that works for the two of you. Um, And, of course, the best way to do that is through communication and um, that, um, you know, this may be an issue that's really one because there's other underlying issues in your marriage. Mm-hmm. I we I mean we talk a lot about um, like what I, I think one of the big things that um, we kind of explore uh, throughout the entire Hitched universe here is just the range and the dynamics that marriages entail. And I feel like um, particularly with sex, because it is such a private thing within relationships. Um, you know, you can go anywhere and find, you know, the 20 greatest sex tips of all time kind of a stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but to like truly understand like what a normal sex life is for a normal couple, like part of the problem I think is that you have to define what is a normal sex life and what is a normal couple. Um, right. And, and as you discussed, you know, a third, a third, a third of satisfaction, I think a lot of the problem may be too that, um, as you as you uh, intimated that we we 
often set ourselves up for expectations that may or may not be realistic and and mm-hmm. that you know let's both be satisfied or whatever and maybe that's not what the relationship needs to be fulfilled right and and we talked about this in other aspects of marriage about you know we everybody everybody likes to preach that a marriage is 50-50 um but you know keeping score isn't always a good thing but sometimes some person might put more effort into the relationship while other people the other person puts more effort into other things that make the relationship work kind of a thing right um and i think that same type of thing can uh translate into into the the sex realm of a marriage yeah yeah so well this was um this was very interesting, uh, and and I know we typically don't do like sex topics, uh, you and I, Karen. But um, like, great insight. Um, not that I was expecting anything less. <laughs> thank you. Um, but I want to thank you so much for your time. And um, before we wrap up, I want to remind everybody that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman. As I mentioned at the top, she has her own podcast uh, on the Sex Talk Radio Network. It is called Your Empowered Relationships. Uh, you can find information on her website, drkarensherman.com. Um, if I have, I believe I've mentioned this, but Karen is a practicing psychologist uh, in relationship and lifestyle issues for over a couple decades. Uh, she is the author of several best-selling books, including Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. She has a new program out uh, to help couples move beyond the fights. It is called From Fight to Foreplay, and you can get more information at the website from fighttoforeplay.com. Uh, and uh, there's a great video that explains the whole thing, so definitely check that out. You can follow Karen on all the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Uh, we are on all that stuff as well. Uh, we have uh, the buttons on the top of our website, so you can find it easily, uh, including Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, so not just the Facebook and the Twitter uh, platforms, but we're on pretty much all of them. Uh, so if you have a question that you would like us to address or answer, uh, go on Twitter and uh, give the hashtag AskHitched. And uh, if, if it's something that we think we can tackle for you, uh, you might hear it in an upcoming episode. And uh, furthermore, we would love to hear your um, opinion on this topic on um, the sexless marriage. So uh, go ahead and leave a comment on the uh, Facebook page or you know you can again this is a very personal thing so I would understand people not wanting to do this stuff publicly Um, but if you are so inclined we would love to hear your feedback you can also DM or email we actually have an email button on the podcast page Uh, so um, yeah let's let's uh, let's make sure that we're giving you the answers to all the questions that you have Um, but for now that's going to do it so thank you so much Karen it's always a pleasure a fantastic uh, episode in the books so thanks again thank you Steve alright that's going to do it take care everybody 